faithwire.com. President Zelensky is set to address the U.S. Congress virtually on Wednesday this week. Meanwhile, a new report says that the White House turned down a critical request ahead of the invasion that could have helped Ukraine. Today is Monday, March 14th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love to have you with us. With me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire with a look at what's coming up. Happy Monday, fellas. What's going on? Well, preparing for the weekend, as always, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just a few days away. Yes, indeed. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about a North Carolina gas station uh, that decided to surprise their locals in the area by completely slashing their gas prices. So we'll talk mm. a little bit about that story and the reaction they received. And we're also going to be talking about D-Trans Awareness Day. These these are people who, you know, they were transitioning and then they detransitioned. Really interesting stories of why they did so. Yeah, and like you talk about bravery in the in the world today and I mean, I would say that one qualifies because I mean the the intimidation around that trans movement is very much you have to accept it you have to approve this you have to affirm this or else and so those people get a lot of heat when they go and reverse the other way so um so definitely looking forward to the details of that one we're going to start here again ukraine dominating the news again with ukrainian president volodymyr Zelensky planning to address congress virtually this week on wednesday this according to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They announced that today. And, you know, last week, Congress had passed a one and a half trillion dollar budget bill to fund the government. And of that one point five trillion, somewhere around 13 billion is set aside for humanitarian and security assistance for Ukraine. And, you know, the White House had originally asked Congress for six and a half billion for Ukraine. And so that number increased. But uh, Pelosi and Schumer released a joint statement. They said, quote, we look forward to the privilege of welcoming President Zelensky's address to the House and Senate and to convey our support to the people of Ukraine as they bravely defend democracy. So interestingly, though, they've got all this money going in now, now that the invasion already happened. But a new report out now from Politico is saying that back in December, uh, senior U.S. military officials told lawmakers that they wanted to send a few hundred additional special operations personnel over to Ukraine. And their goal was going to be to provide military advice and training on, quote, unconventional warfare, end quote. Now, at the time, Russia had about 100,000 troops on the border with Ukraine. And so concerns were starting to boil. Is this just more than an exercise? Is he actually going to do something at this time? And so now people were starting to get worried. Okay, this is looking serious. And so um, at that point, the U.S. military asked the Biden administration for approval to send those special ops personnel to train Ukrainian military. Uh, Now, the Biden administration never sent the troops requested. And according to these sources, Biden thought that sending these troops would, quote, escalate, end quote, the situation. So the White House is denying now that this ever happened. They said, no, no, we don't, I don't know what you're t- even referring to. So it'll be interesting to see if evidence comes out of this claim because that is a bombshell claim right there. Um, and according 
uh, to a senior vice president at the American Foreign Policy Council. Uh, they, they said this, the decision not to send personnel in was um, a part of a pattern of miscalculations by the Biden White House due to either incorrect assumptions about why Putin was, you know, what his intentions were in the, in the military buildup or based on fears that they'd provoke Putin, that they'd escalate the situation. Obviously, either way, the Biden administration was incorrect on those. Putin didn't need any extra provoking because they stood down and he went in anyway. And uh, if they, you know, they, they were clearly wrong as well um, because uh, if, if they thought he wasn't going to attack, because obviously he did. Um, and so they added that this, quote, passive approach obviously didn't work. The Biden administration was just hoping they'd be able to use some diplomacy to avoid any military conflict. So, so that report doesn't look particularly good right now um, because uh, uh, this kind of fighting, apparently right now, according to the reports on the ground, Ukrainians uh, are th the thing that's holding them uh, right now is sort of these irregular soldiers conducting, quote, guerrilla-style attacks against Russian forces, so these small groups. Uh, and that's been a, a key defense strategy, which is exactly what this request that the Biden administration allegedly got from the military to help prepare Ukrainians for this uh, would have helped them out a lot uh, because it seems to be the thing that's working for them right now. So they would have had, obviously, a little bit more of it couple months more of training on that front. Uh, the Biden administration did send stuff. They sent Stinger aircraft missiles and javelins. Now, they sent a lot more since the invasion on the 24th than they did before it. Uh, obviously, once it happened, then they thought, well, we don't have to worry about escalating it now. So here you go. And um, sent sent some more, more uh, equipment there. So either way, um, it just shows that maybe the Biden administration miscalculated there, and now Ukrainians are at an even further disadvantage because of it. So some other things going on on the Ukraine front that I wanted to update you on. This one's more on the media, and it's a sign of it's a sign of the times, guys. Two two pieces. First is the Atlantic. They've got a piece now uh, called this is what it says. A nuclear war would kill tens of millions of people. And would also prove disastrous for climate change. There's the headline of the story, quote unquote. On top of everything else, nuclear war is a climate problem, end quote. If you're worried about rapid catastrophic changes to the planet's climate, then you must be worried about nuclear war. And so <laughs> critics are having a bit of a field day with this one, guys, because you shouldn't need any side reasons to be concerned about nuclear war, right? I mean... Nuclear bombs destroying entire cities should be enough to get you worried. You don't have to loop someone in like, hey, uh, as one of the, there were a lot of critics, but as one of them pointed out, you know, the real question is what would nuclear do, war do for student loans? I mean, it, it just sounds so ridiculous. Um, you know, when, when you're talking about bombs that can devastate entire cities at, instantaneously um, for someone to be concerned about, about a side issue like climate change, but in that's case a, you're not yeah. worried enough, right? You know, in case you you're not worried enough, this do you, do you know where this puts us on track for our 2016 CO2 levels? <laughs> I mean, it sets us way off. It sets us way off course. I mean, it sounds, 
It's insane. I mean, this stuff infects everything. Yeah. And I think that that's the most bizarre part of, of all of these weird proclamations, right? It's that you can't just have one major issue. You have to start mixing right. in all of your favorite. I mean, they're doing it with the transgender issue. They're doing it yeah. with this. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't end. It has nothing to do with these things. And yet, yeah, I'm pretty sure if there's a yeah. nuclear war, uh, we're all doomed. <laughs> we're, so. all, we're all doomed. Don't worry about the climate change thing. The whole, we're all going to be dead. Um, but the other one here where it's a sign of kind of the wokeness creeping into the mix, Business Insider has a very dramatic article up about a trans man, which is a biological woman, dressing up as a woman to escape. And uh, he, uh, here's the headline. It says, um, a trans how a transgender man has escaped by painting my nails violet and wearing mom's shirt to look more girly. And so they paint it as this heroic thing. Not you can't just have a person getting out of there. You you paint this heroic tale of someone who's actually a biological woman dressing up as a woman. Apparently that violates their senses so much that it's deemed heroic. But the problem with this guys is that they're trying to celebrate this thinking, "Oh, people will really care about the the trans people trying to get out." But there is they maybe they missed the, the law that the Ukraine government has enacted, martial law, which requires men to stay in the country and either join the fight or face the prospect of conscription. So you are now saying you're a man. Wouldn't it make sense then that you have to stay and fight if you want to be treated like a man? And so I don't, it can't be heroic for you to say, I mean, honestly, guys, look, I mean, I'm the least brave person I know, but I mean, I just think I would be called a coward if if Russia was invading America here and Pennsylvania and I and there was a story about me dressing up in my mom's clothes to escape to Canada. Like, I don't think I'd be hailed as a hero, but that's kind of how yeah. they want to paint this picture. So just another those are two examples of some, I guess, apparently some on the more woke side of the scale and the spectrum are thinking it's safe to now jump into the waters. Well, I, I just think the the frustrating thing here to me, or not even the frustrating, I think the concerning thing, certainly as a Christian, uh, is the the completely proud and open rejection of truth. Uh, and yeah. like the you're encouraged to completely uh, reject truth. We've turned the world upside down. And there's like if you call it out, you somehow all of a sudden have become the villain. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that I think that there are so many different issues, whether you're talking about transgenderism or, or, or any any other problem. Uh, I think that's the overarching concern, uh, because I think it is just it's just evil. It's a rejection of, of God and the way he created uh, you know us to exist uh, and any sort of suggestion. Otherwise, like like I said, is just is villainized. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of work we have to do to push back against this stuff because these stories are crazy and we can make fun of them, but they signal something much yeah. more serious. hundred percent. Well, yeah. And there, and look, I mean, what's really kind of frustrating about it is that there are a trillion stories on the ground that need to be told. And we're not telling those stories to make room for these stories. Right. Yeah. And that to me is the part that's just so bizarre. We're forcing an agenda into something, choosing to focus on it. And it was happening almost day one with this. You could start to see the stories, you know, emerging and it's just like, come on. I mean, there's plenty of other work to be done. Why is this what we're doing? Right. Uh, uh and it's not even the fact like look i'm glad that a person got out of a war zone right like i'm i'm happy for them but the, the the what they want me to be 
thrilled about is that this person dressed differently than they think they should dress in their mind. Like that was the heroic action by them. They had to put on a woman's clothes, even though they're actually a biological woman. So it's like, it's that it's like, they're more concerned about me buying into this agenda than they are about me caring that a person got out of a war zone. Right. Like, and that's the part that's kind of strikes you as just insane. Same thing with the, with the global warming thing. It's like, you want me to care more about, global warming than you do my entire city being blown up by a nuke i mean it's just absurd and and i mean if you're trying to lose people to your cause i feel like this is these are good ways to do it like drop these articles here in the midst of actual trying times um and and see what happens so um but but nevertheless there you go the 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 woke invasions creeping in as well into the actual (laughs) invasion so um yeah you know all right, story number two. So turning our eyes off of Ukraine, uh, we're going to focus a little bit on gas prices, which is, is somewhat yeah. impacted, certainly, by what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, but not entirely. Uh, so I, well, we'll go through a few of the details about the situation with the gas prices generally, but I really want to highlight this one really great story. We have it up on faithwire.com. So obviously, anytime there's a difficult situation, uh, Faithwire, CBN, we try to highlight the heroes who go in and do uh, you know, the good Samaritans, the people who do acts of kindness, the selflessness, all of that stuff always happens, and we try to highlight it. Uh, so there's one gas station, a Sitgo in Burnsville, North Carolina, that did just that. Uh, last week, their gas station right off US 19 East, they surprised their patrons by slashing the price of gas in half. Uh, they lowered it to 2.25 per gallon, uh, while the national average for gas is four dollars and thirty-two cents, uh, and the average in the state of North Carolina is four dollars and eighteen cents. The owners of the gas station said that they decided to drop their prices because they wanted to help people who are financially struggling, and they even acknowledged the only way that they could do it uh, was to accept uh, a financial loss. They said, we know we're going to lose money on this, uh, but we feel like we need to help our community. It's a really small area, Burnsville is. It's a, a population of uh, a little under 2,000 people, so it's it's not a big uh, area, but um, naturally they've received a ton of praise. It was Thursday afternoon or Thursday, you know, around lunchtime uh, when they started and went into the evening and they ultimately ran out of gas, but they did uh, the sale price all the way until they ran out of gas. And they, you know, there were people uh, obviously lined up on the street for, for quite a while to get some of the gas. And uh, several of the locals were praising it. Uh, Lupita Mangana, she said, they really helped out our community. I told other families they need to go fill up while they had the chance. Uh, another local, Penny Silver, said, uh, it's a small town and we have lots of people who are here, who are from here that are so helpful uh, and empathetic. Uh, another person named Kaylee Vess, she said, I think it's really great and kind of them to do that for people around here like us. Uh, they said that they plan to do it again. Uh, they have obviously resupplied on gas and they're back up to the normal price of a little over $4. Uh, but they do plan to run a sale again. Uh, they haven't announced when they're going to do that. Um, but they, they did say that it was received so well and they really are, are grateful for the opportunity to help their community and they plan to do it again. So all of this comes as gas prices have been trending upward, as we've talked about before, as everybody knows, for quite a while. Uh, even before Russia invaded Ukraine, but that certainly has propelled some of it. 
um, polls show that most Americans support the U.S. Uh, deciding to cut off Russian oil. That was what President Biden did uh, last week. But 70% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of gas prices, according to an ABC poll. Uh, and Republicans, of course, are calling for more oil production um, domestically. So those are just some of the, the national uh, headlines. But again, as far as as far as why it matters, I think it's important to highlight these stories about what this uh, these gas station owners, the Sitco owners, did in Burnsville because it's a good reminder to us as Christians uh, that when we're facing difficult situations. Uh, look, we all have spheres of influence. They happen to own a gas station, but everybody has a, a different way to help. Uh, and I think, you know, standing up and, and doing the right thing for people uh, is important. I think it's worth celebrating when somebody's done that, particularly when it's coming at such a, a financial cost to them, because that's not an easy decision for them to make. We don't know what their uh, what their family situation is, what their financial uh, situation looks like, uh, but they decided to do this regardless because they wanted to help their community. Uh, and you know, it's 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 great to see those kind of stories, uh, particularly when there's so much so much difficulty in our news. Uh, it's nice to see a, a a a little bit of positivity in the news. Oh, absolutely, and uh, it is what a stand there to just do that and take that to take that one. I'm sure if you know, hopefully it'll help them just get more people in there. I mean, obviously the price would be enough to attract people, but hopefully on principle, people are willing to support somebody for, for, for doing that because, I mean, they're really doing a service to other people by taking a hit like that and saying, you know what, um, this is a tough time for people and to, to give them that break is really great, really selfless act right there. Well, just remind you, there are different ways to give back, you know, and, it, and it's another yeah. unique way. It's a really unique way to give back that that business could have donated money somewhere. Right. You know, they could have donated money to Ukraine, which would have been fine. That would have been great. But they're looking for ways to help their own local you know, community. And I think people will remember that in the future. So it's a really cool. It's a simple yet uplifting story. And those are some of the best. Yeah, and it was actually just a, the a local reporter uh, who was was alerted to it because people were driving by and like that doesn't look right. Why is why, <laughs> why is there? There must be a glitch or something. <laughs> they and then forget they went to and fix their sign. Like, <laughs> yeah, they went and figured out. Oh, they actually are. So then the, there were pictures of it that that spread on social media, and one person said, "Whoever the owners of the Sitco in Burnsville, North Carolina, you are really good people. Thanks for giving me a little hope in humanity." Mm. So it's yeah. definitely a cool story. Look at that. Look at that. Good story. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to our last story. Now, this one is it's interesting because these are stories we don't often hear. These are people who have detransitioned. Um, and so a group of these people, they took to social media over the weekend to share a hashtag detrans awareness day. And this was apparently on Friday. It was a day where people who were transgender and transitioned back decided to share their story. And so what was what was really interesting in a lot of these stories that were shared on social is that you had not only a quick story about the age that they were when they decided to transition their gender, um, but the age when they transitioned back, and then some before and after photos and testimonies that sort of show you visually, because it's one thing to talk about it, what that process was like. Now, a lot of these people, I'll just read one of them, this one woman, she said, my name is Grace and I detransitioned. On the left is me shortly after top surgery in 2017. This was the darkest time in my life. On the right, 
me recently. Life goes on, life gets better. And so she shared a picture again on the left of her um, trying to to live as a man and then on the right after detransitioning. And so there are uh, lots of stories like this. We have a bunch of the tweets embedded in our story over on Faithwire and you can check that out. But there were some really interesting ones. Um, one girl talked about being you know, 15 years old and getting sucked into gender ideology online and then actually said it was her school that encouraged her to continue. And mm. she started on testosterone at age 18 and she said, quote, it was very damaging. And so you see a number of these stories. And of course, I think the big thing, the why it matters here is because for some reason, culture has decided that these people, that their stories don't really matter, that they're not going to be told and that their stories are damaging for some reason. And so um, a lot of these stories just don't get heard. If you remember, I think it was 2020 um, did a special where they did tell some of the stories and people were flipping out, you know, over that. Uh, but, but these are really important stories of people who have found hope and restoration and come and they've come back to their biological gender. And so you could check those stories out um, over on Faithwire. And I would also note just before we kind of wrap the story here, we've done coverage in the past. Uh, there was a doctor who performs these surgeries who said that there's been a, an increase in sex change regret. People who have said, you know, just like these people that they've started going through the process and they realize that they want to go back and they don't want to do that anymore. And so if that's true, if that is happening, um, even if it's 10% of the cases, which is what some of the critics will say, it's only 10% of the people. Well, those are 10% of the stories we need to hear. So um, I think it's important that we get a chance to hear those people. Mm. Yeah, man, that's a, you know, honestly, it sends a little bit of a chill down your spine when you hear that the schools are, you know, encouraging this stuff. And um, and then when we see these, like, the don't say gay fake news narrative about the Ron DeSantis bill there in, or the bill in Florida where Ron DeSantis is governor and had to go back and forth with the reporters on that, where they're trying to get it, you know, institutionalized to ages K through three. And they don't want to. They don't want you to, you know, ban being able to teach gender ideologies there. And so it's just, you know, given the climate that we're in now, and the really this devotion, this undying devotion that these secularists have towards promoting gender ideology, and that you can pick your gender. Um, you know, these are stories that you need to hear absolutely in this day and age. Yeah, you know, it, when you hear stories like this, it's no wonder that laws like the bill in Florida, the parental rights bill in Florida, right. uh, came up because um, the the reality is is that schools are pushing this stuff, uh, and I, I don't know. There there's so many different reasons that you could assume that they're doing it, but it does. It, it seems nefarious, you know. The more and more you hear about it, because there's so much, so many efforts to hide it from, uh, to hide what's happening in the classroom from parents. Uh, there's so much anger toward parents when they find out what's happening, what's going on. So it's certainly it just it it's a one. It's an encouraging story. This one is uh, of people who have transitioned out and are are, you know, moving on with their lives. Um, but two, it highlights just how important it is for parents to be involved in their kids' lives. You know, whether they go to public school or not, like this isn't necessarily a school issue. It's just an issue about talking to them about morals and, and about, you know, where their value is and how they can find their identity, of course, in Christ. So, uh, you know, it's important to be involved in your kids' lives and have these conversations with them. 
Well, and I would just add, you know, it's interesting. I have not had a scenario where my kids are hearing things from a teacher. Um, sure. But, yes. But but I know that happens, obviously. And but what my point is that you have to really be involved, like you're saying, Trey, because my kids are hearing it from other kids. And so, yeah. you know, we've had we had a conversation about this last night. In fact, with my nine year old, because she's asking really tough questions, and you know, we've got to be engaged, and we have to be able to be prepared to answer those questions too, even when it's tough and you don't want to, because if we don't answer it, someone else is going to. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. And it also just leads me into my next point, which is homeschool school your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do a drum roll, but I didn't do drum roll. I mean, this podcast is just one big advertisement for homeschooling. Well, honestly, <laughs> the bigger advertisement for homeschooling is all the other things going on at the schools. That's true. I mean, yeah. Which they but, claim aren't going on. That's right. what's so crazy right. about it. That's what's no, infuriating about this. Right. And they it's an interesting line they draw because it goes from, you know, the, the argument I think that I've seen is, well, there's no curriculum that's, that says CRT or gender ideology. Well, no, but there's certainly, I mean, I've, I've watched enough libs of TikTok videos right now to see teachers out there who are you know, openly gay, trans and whatever, that's their prerogative if they want to do it. But as a parent, we should know about it and see that that's openly now being encouraged to be celebrated, pushed, etc. And that is a lifestyle and that is a belief that a lot of people disagree with. And so one belief is being allowed and while others are being excluded. And so, uh, yeah, it's just it's just something that parents do need to be aware of. And you know, we'll, we'll help inform you to make better to sit, you, you know, because you, you, if you send your kids off there and like a lot of people do, and that's fine, that's everyone has, you know, to make their own choices and, and to do that. Um, so, I mean, I joke about the homeschooling because we do it, but, uh, you know, I realize that it's, it's, it's not for everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at some of the stuff going on, it is, like you said, you really have to be involved. You have to be the primary um, influencer in your child's life. And, right. um, you know, there are just so many outside forces now pushing other other narratives. It's tough. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that is uh, all the time. We Look at this. Monday's over. We did it. Mon well, I mean, it's not all the way over, but you know what I mean. Close enough. I mean, we got you through the week last time while Billy was off on his skiing trip uh, <laughs> vacation. So, uh, but we'll get you through this one again. Crazy week of news. Lots going on. Lots to pray about. We've got our prayer event tomorrow for Ukraine. Don't miss that. 10 a.m. Uh, you can you can sign up for that at cbn.com slash pray for Ukraine. So God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Lord willing, the prick don't rise. <laughs>